Our scripture passage for today picks up on a scripture that we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago. It comes from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And in this passage, we have just followed that moment where Peter has uh, stood up and said to people who were criticizing he and the disciples after the um, the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost, um, he stood up and he said, look, we're not crazy people. We're not drunk. He said, we are just following the calling of the Spirit. <coughs> and so uh, after that happens, it says that 3,000 people came to, the, came to believe that day. And then last week we took a, <coughs> pardon me, would you mind handing me that? Thank you. Um, or you can leave it here and I'll grab it. Um, it's so terrible when you have to cough now because it's sort of like a, a bullet going out in the room, but I promise we're healthy here. Um, so when we come to this scripture passage for today, we're following that moment where Peter has just stood up. He has defended he and his friends, and he said, we're not drunk. We're following this understanding, this calling that we have by the Holy Spirit to be the people of Jesus Christ out into the world. And 3,000 people come to that following, and then that's where it picks up right here. So this is Acts 2, 42 through 47, right after Pentecost, right after Peter's speech. It says that all of those people who came to Christ that day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Friends, if you will, please join me as we pray. God, as we come to your scripture for today, we pray that you will illuminate our hearts and our minds. I ask, God, that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that the words that I say might reflect your truth and might not be my own. I pray that together as a community, we might be the people who go out into the world carrying light and hope and grace and giving it to everyone freely. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I used to have a roommate. Her name was Kendra. We were randomly assigned to one another on the first day of college, but we became instant friends when we realized that both of us had brought cow print sheets and duvets to decorate our room. One day, Kendra and I were walking together somewhere, and as we were going, we were approached by some Jehovah's Witnesses who were very friendly and with very persistent smiles, walked alongside us for a while, putting pamphlets and Bibles into our hands until we finally got away from them. And, and when that happened, Kendra 
looked at me with all of this stuff in her hands that she was definitely not going to throw away while she was still in their sight and said to me, why is it that religious people always talk about their religion with everyone? And I had no idea why people did that. So I just said to her, well, I guess that they feel like they're sharing something that's good, that they have something good to share with other people, which felt like a pretty dumb answer on my part. And Kendra is one of the smartest people that I have ever met in my life. And so I was fully expecting for her to come back at me and tell me what a dumb response that was. But instead, she sort of perked up and she said, oh, you mean like junior mints? which was an odd turn in the conversation. And so I looked at her and said, okay. And she said, you know, like when you go to the movies and you're so excited to see this movie that you've been waiting to see and you're going with someone that you love spending time with and you sit down in the movie theater and the thing that makes that good thing better are junior mints. And when you share them with someone, you just feel so great. Now, at the time, Junior Mints weren't really my candy of choice, but I sort of could see where she was going with that. Because when we have something that we love, when we have something that makes our life better or brings us joy and elation, our natural response is to want to share it, to want other people to be able to experience that good thing that we feel all for themselves. Over the years, I've had multiple friends tell me about the things that they love, and then they usually share it with me or encourage me to join them in something. I have been given toothpaste, bug spray, recommendations for dentists, saline, chiropractors, you name it. And I have to tell you, every time someone wants to share with me something that they love, I love it. Even if I'm not a huge fan of whatever recommendation that they're giving me, even if I don't feel the same way about it as they do, whenever someone has gone out of their way to share something with me that they love, it makes me feel special, maybe even a little honored. I feel special that they want to share their joy with me. It makes me feel honored that they want me to be part of their community in enjoying it together. I'll admit I've often done the same thing myself. As a young adult, I think I, all of the friends in my closest circle had the same perfume that I had. I started teaching kickboxing classes, not because I wanted some extra income, but because I loved kickboxing and I wanted to share that with other people. I wanted them to love it too. Right before the Safer at Home orders were implemented, I had just convinced my friend Laura to buy a pack of classes to my Pilates gym. Sorry, Laura, but we'll get there eventually. Whenever I find a song that echoes something that's in my soul, I send it to people that I think are going to appreciate it as well. When I find something that I love, something that opens up a feeling of peace or joy or satisfaction within me, I want the people that I care about to experience that too. I almost can't help myself. I want us all to experience it together. And I'm going to be really honest. I I don't just 
reserve these things that I love for the people that I know and that I care about, when there is something in my life that makes me feel fuller or more fun, I'll tell anyone who seems willing to listen to me. That's actually how I started with one kicking, kickboxing class and ended up with five. More often than not, when there is something good in our lives, we want to share it. And we even have the ability to share that thing that we love indiscriminately with friends and with strangers alike. Our scripture passage for today has been historically controversial for lots of people. Because some people read this passage and they see a biblical justification for communism. After all, that early church took all that they owned, they sold it, and they redistributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Shouldn't we be doing the same? Some people read this and they see a fairy tale. After all, it's only a few chapters down the line that we see Ananias and Sapphira defraud this same benevolent community. These people are tempted to dismiss these verses outright, saying that they're quaint, even though we as Christians claim to yearn for such an equitable economy in God's kingdom and God's reign among us. Commentator Matt Skinner, he puts this really well saying the idea of community simultaneously attracts and repels most of us. We long for the life-affirming benefits that community can bestow, but we resist the demands that community makes. Our minds and our hearts are torn when we read something like this in the Bible. It might be the picture of a perfect utopia where the mighty will be brought low and the low will be raised up. But we also understand somewhere in the back of our minds, particularly those of us who live in San Marino, that that means that we will be the ones who are brought low. Both perspectives on this passage have a really good point. Idealized community living only lasts so long before it gives way to the corruption of our greed. But that doesn't mean that the Bible's vision of the kingdom of God's equitable economy described here in this passage are just some fairy tale nonsense. Which is why this passage only makes sense to me when I read it through the lens of junior mints and kickboxing classes, when I see it through the lens of Jehovah's Witnesses and favorite perfumes. I don't think that this passage is intended to be a prescription for how the Christian community should live. I don't believe that it's a mandate that we as Christians are required to replicate or else. I think that this passage is a description of a group of people who have just encountered something that has enlivened their living. 
something that has brought joy into their hearts, that has created freedom and peace in their souls and in their minds. And they want to share it with the people who are around them. I think that this kind of vibrant, dynamic community that we see in our passage today in Acts is the natural, spontaneous response to people experiencing grace. This utopian moment, it's not set up by either the author of Acts nor by scholars to be a requirement for how a new community of faith should live. But rather, this moment of communion is the giddy response to the good news by most by the people who have encountered that spirit of Christ in a truly meaningful way. It's like these people in Acts, they just couldn't help themselves. They just couldn't keep it for themselves. The goodness of this gift meant that they had to share it. And by sharing it, they created a community that echoed the values of the kingdom. Tony Campolo, who is a prominent pastor, sociologist, evangelist, who most recently has been known for being one of the founders of Red Letter Christians, He tells a story in his book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And he describes this time where he had flown to Hawaii for some speaking engagement. And when he lands, he is jet lagged and tired. He's hungry. And so he looks everywhere for a place that's open. And the only place that he could find is this greasy spoon. And so he goes in, the only one there beside the guy behind the counter, And he orders a donut and a cup of coffee. And so just as the guy is bringing out the donut and the coffee, the doors to the greasy spoon fly open and a whole group of sex workers walk in, having just finished their evening's work. And you can tell, he says, by the way that they come in and they're loud and they're laughing. They're talking to the guy behind the counter. They all seem to know exactly the booth that they were supposed to go to, that this is a ritual that they have done every night for who knows how long. So as he's listening to them and he's listening to their humor, they're loud, they're crass. They are much more awake than he is. He's starting to get sort of uncomfortable. So he starts to pack up his stuff get ready to go. And just as he's doing that, he hears one of the women at the table next to him saying, girls, I got to go. Tomorrow's my birthday. This morning is going to be my birthday. And I'm going to go home, make sure that I get some rest. And her friends start giving her a really hard time. They say, Agnes, what is it? What are you you telling us this for? You want us to throw you a birthday party or something? You want us to make you a cake? And Agnes sort of waves her hand at them. She says, no, she said, I have never had a birthday party in my life. I'm just telling you because I want to go home. And so as she keeps on going and packing up, all of the women, they get up with her and they start to go out and continue to give her this hard time about her birthday and what they're supposed to do. And so Tony Campolo, he's still there and he is overcome by something. And so he goes to the man behind the counter and he says, hey, he said, do those people, do those women, do they come here all of the time? Is this something they do every night? 
And the guy behind the counter says, yeah. And so Tony Campolo says to them, well, that woman, Agnes, said, what if, we, uh, what if I came back tomorrow night and we threw her a birthday party? And the guy behind the counter, Harry, lit up. And he said, that would be amazing. And he calls his wife out from the back and he's telling her how they're going to throw this birthday party for Agnes. And the wife is just elated. She says, you know, Agnes is so kind. She is so nice. I don't know if anyone ever does nice things for her. And so Tony Campolo decides he's going to bring the decorations. Harry decides he's going to bake the cake. And the next morning, a little bit before three in the morning, Tony shows up and they decorate the diner. The cake is all set out. And at three, when the women come in, they say, happy birthday. And they light the candles and everyone surrounds Agnes and celebrates her. Harry beckons her over and says, come on over here, Agnes. It's time for you to blow out these candles that are on your cake. And so Agnes walks over there. She's sobbing and she's sobbing and she's sobbing. And Harry says, Agnes, you got to blow out your candles. And she's sobbing. And he says, all right, fine. He says, I'll do it for you. He blows out the candles. He says, geez, Agnes, haven't you ever had a birthday cake before? To which she just says, no, I haven't. And I've never had a birthday party before either. Which sort of made the moment awkward. And so Tony Campolo, maybe out of habit, maybe out of calling, says to them, well, I'm a pastor. Why don't I just say a prayer? And he prays for them. And afterwards, Harry is furious. And he turns when they're done with the prayer and points at Tony and he says, you didn't tell me that you were a pastor. Why didn't you tell me that? He said, what kind of pastor are you? What kind of church are you the pastor for? And Tony Campolo says, well, I pastor the kind of church that throws birthday parties for sex workers at three in the morning. And Harry said, no way. He said, because if there had been a church like that out there, I would have already been a part of it. Friends, when Harry encountered grace, he knew that he was meant to be a part of it. When Tony realized that he was in the presence of someone who had never experienced the feelings of inclusion or acceptance that he had experienced throughout his life, he had to share it. That is what the grace of God is like. When you have experienced it, you can't help but share it. You can't help but give it away to both friends and strangers alike. When you know how that grace changes your life for better, you give it away like Kendra gave away junior mints, except that the box of grace is absolutely endless. In fact, I think that grace has a really strange way of multiplying everything as we give it away. It multiplies the joy of the people who receive it. It multiplies our joy in being the people who give it. And it multiplies the community 
that reflects that grace and reflects it as the value of the kingdom of God. My friends, this is what I want. Isn't it what you want too? This is what I want for you and for me. This is what I want for San Marino Community Church. I want us to be the community that gives generously out of that unending box of grace because we can't help ourselves because we know beyond a doubt that that grace is extended to us and we have experienced it. We can't help but invite people to be a part of it. That's who I want us to be. When I was writing this sermon, it occurred to me, maybe you haven't been given that experience of grace. And if you haven't, then friend, please let me extend it to you now. Please know beyond a doubt, you are absolutely loved just as you are. You are absolutely forgiven for anything that you've done even the thing that you are hiding from yourself. You are absolutely part of this community. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to check a box. You didn't have to show that you could meet the mark. You belong first. Friends, if you haven't experienced that grace, then please let me share mine with you because I can't help but want you to know it, to be changed by it, to feel it, And I want us to be the community that knows how to share it, that has no qualms about giving it away because we know that it's endless. Friends, as we go out into the world this week, I really encourage you, let's be the people who give, who give out of that grace that we know for ourselves. And if we don't know it, then let's let's find it. Let's open ourselves up to it. Let's let it change us.